Thank you for taking time to study with us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help us draw near to God through the study and application of His Word. If you have any questions or comments about today's study, or spiritual things in general, feel free to contact me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. John the Baptist had a very important role in the ministry of Jesus. He was the herald, the one crying in the wilderness. As Jesus' ministry goes forward, John finds himself in prison. Today on Drawing Near, John sends disciples to Jesus. Why? To find out, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7 and study Messengers from John. And as we prepare for today's study, join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, you have a great plan for the redemption of creation. Your plan includes, as we can see in Malachi chapter 3, that you are going to send a messenger before your Messiah to make his path straight, to prepare the way. And John the Baptist was that messenger. Father Jesus says among those born of women, there is not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. What a tremendous testimony. And to be testified to by Jesus himself makes it even more amazing. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand the context of this passage, to not say more than what's really here, but also not to say less. Give us understanding and wisdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So as we open up God's word to Luke chapter 7, we read these words in verse 18. The disciples of John reported to him about all these things. John had disciples, just like Jesus did, just like other teachers or rabbis did. They were students learning from John, who assisted him in his ministry, who carried out some tasks for him. He had disciples. We're told in John's gospel that two of his disciples left him and began to follow Jesus. It's believed that they were John and Andrew. The disciples of John are reporting to him about all the things that Jesus is doing. They evidently had been among Jesus' crowds as they were watching Jesus teach and do miracles. And so they go back to John, who now is in prison, and they share with him, they report to him all the things that they saw. And so we're told in verse 19, summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? Are you the one who is coming, the one we anticipate? Are you the Messiah, or do we look for someone else? Now, it's an interesting question. It's interesting because we have John's testimony at the baptism of Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So what is John asking here? Well, John's in prison. And maybe there were some gaps in John's understanding of what the Messiah was going to do. We see this from a lot of the reactions some of the religious leaders had toward Jesus. Now, the big difference is John was open to the truth. Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees simply were not. They rejected Jesus and wanted to kill him. John wanted clarification. And so he'd heard all that Jesus was doing, and he asked two of his disciples to go and ask Jesus a very straightforward question. Are you the coming one, or do we look for someone else? Verse 20 tells us, When the men came to him, they said, 
John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? At that very time, according to verse 21, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And so he answers the disciples and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now, I believe what drives John to ask this question is very, very simple and makes sense. John's in prison. He can't be enjoying himself in prison. He wants to be out. He wants to be free. He wants to be doing his ministry. But he's in prison. He knows that the Messiah is coming. He's the herald. I don't believe he doubts who Jesus is. But when he, imprisoned, receives reports about Jesus, he wants certainty. He wants to know for sure. He's likely going to lose his life, and we know that he does. He is beheaded. Things don't look good for John, and John wants to know what's going on. And so he sends this question, are you the one that we look for? Are you the expected one we've been waiting for? Jesus does not say yes. Jesus does not say no. But rather what Jesus tells John's disciples is, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. What is that? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. So go and tell him what you have seen, what you have heard. Tell him what's going on. That is going to give John assurance. The Messiah is going to do these things, and I am doing these things. And then verse 23 is important. It's important for John. It's important for us. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed is the one who is not offended at me. That gives us a lot of clarification about what's going on here. John is in prison for preaching the truth, for calling out a king for his sin. And he's saying, John, you're blessed if you handle all that's going on rightly, correctly. It's human nature. When you have been prominent, when you have been at the forefront of things, and now you're in prison, now you're in the shadows, and someone else arises to the forefront to have some questions. It's natural to say, why me? What's going on? Before we go any further, I don't want to say anything about John that's not true, but I do want us to acknowledge John is not sinless. John is a human being. Now, he's a tremendous human being. Jesus says so himself. But that doesn't mean that John doesn't have doubts or questions or even fears. And we see some of that in this passage. How far should we take it? I don't know. But Jesus' counsel to him, his instruction to him, that blessed is he who does not take offense at me, suggests that some things were going on that Jesus understood. John primarily was in prison because of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel, because of the hornet's nest that had been stirred up because of the forerunner, John, coming into this world and preaching the message of repentance, and then Jesus coming, and now Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus is not just a man who's ministering in this world. Jesus is God incarnate. And so when he says, blessed is he who does not take offense at me, 
He's saying it, me, the son of God, the son of man, but me as God as well. John is suffering for God. John is suffering for righteousness sake. That can cause offense in our heart. That can cause a bitterness or a welling up of questions or doubts. And we need to be careful. There can be an attitude of, I've done everything God has wanted me to do. Why am I suffering? And I'm not saying John had gone all the way down that rabbit hole, but he is in prison and he does have questions and he does have concerns. What do they come from? I don't know. But Jesus gives him this counsel, this encouragement. Blessed are you, just like in the Beatitudes we saw earlier. Blessed are you if you do not take offense because of me or at me. We need to learn from this. We need to do what we're supposed to do and let the results be what they are. If the gospel's accepted, praise the Lord. If it's rejected, that's between them and the Lord. If we suffer, praise the Lord. If we do not suffer, praise the Lord. Either way, we have to accept what the sovereign God allows and causes to happen in our lives. And we need to have the right attitude. We need to maintain the right attitude. There is no excuse for taking offense at Jesus, at God the Father, when things do not go the way we think they ought to. We need to hold true to our faith. We need to draw near to God. We need to be faithful. That's what we see in verse 23. So as we look at this, I find comfort and encouragement in the fact that Jesus counsels and encourages and I believe comforts John. I find encouragement in the fact that John has these questions. It seems to indicate that it's okay to have questions, to be uncertain, or to want clarification. At the very least, that's what John wants, clarification. And Jesus provides it. Go show John everything that you've seen and heard. That'll be sufficient for him. And then give him this message. Don't take offense at me. You're blessed if you don't. We need to hear those words. We need to think about what these things mean, how they apply to our lives, our circumstances, our living. Father in heaven, I thank you for John. I thank you for the testimony of Jesus about him, that among those born of women, there is not a risen one greater than John the Baptist. Whatever Jesus meant by that, it is high praise. We see John's humility in other passages of Scripture, his lowliness when he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. We see John is teachable by the Lord Jesus Christ, the teacher being teachable by the one he baptizes. The character of John is amazing, and it is one that we ought to follow, we ought to model. But we need to learn, Father, that things won't always go the way we think that they should, and we should not be offended. We should not be hurt or crushed by that, but rather we need to draw near to God We need to retreat to our strong, mighty tower and hold on to the faith, hold on to the truth. Help us to do just that. Guide us through your spirit day by day. Guide us today in how we are to live. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page, Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.